It's just past 7 o'clock, and what do you know? It's time for Ira on Sports. It's 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, and Ira, back in studio. Great to have you back, man. Welcome back to South Florida. It's great. I had a 20-hour drive back from New York. <laughs> we just celebrated Yom Kippur, Shana Tovah, all the, everybody just celebrating for Judaism and, uh, and fasted. So I'm back in. We're here. This is sports. This is great. I mean, this is, I'm just so, we need 10 hours. There's so much sports to talk about. This is the kind of thing like in May when we were saying, eventually we're going to have this crazy couple of weeks with all these finals going on, NFL going, and now it's here. Yeah, it's great. I'm pumped. I, I am so excited. I mean, really, from, from a Heat perspective, he'll say you talk about NBA so much, but as someone who has been a Jordan lover like I am, mm. and then to have now LeBron in the finals against the team I love, my adopted <laughs> team, is the Heat, which I love. I mean, the Heat are such an easy team to like because they just do everything right. It's, it's just the classic NBA finals. LeBron ditching Miami, just walking out yep. and, and just <laughs> leaving them, and then goes to Cleveland, and then goes, and this is their final chance in the finals for a team that no one gave any chance except me because I thought the Heat were going to make the finals. <laughs> I'm really excited to uh, talk about all that. And then we're also going to catch up with a great guest. His name is Greg McDermott. Tell us a little bit about him. Doug, Doug, Doug McDermott, I'm sorry. Um, you guys seem like best friends. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's a great interview. Well, we taped it last Thursday, and Doug is the 2014 Player of the Year in NCAA. He was a three, three-time three first-team All-American, and he plays, played in the NBA since 2015, played for the, the Bulls and the Knicks. And the most importantly, he's been playing at the Pacers, and he went against the Heat. So mm-hmm. he was in, been in the bubble. They had the first-round series against the Heat. He can talk all about the Heat. I'm glad to have him on the show. And uh, he's going to give us some insight into, really, everything from J.R. Smith's golf game to uh, how to beat the Miami Heat. It's uh, going to be great stuff. Coming up right about 7.40 here on Iron Sports. So a lot of football to talk about, but let's go to basketball first, Ira. There was a point there where I thought that Denver had a real shot to take out the Lakers. They got close, but just didn't quite have enough. Well, Tuesday night, uh, Denver wins the game 114-106. And that was the game for the first time Denver had a lead. They had a, they took on a 23-5 run. So when you're watching the game, you're like, 23-5 run. This is how you, you shut down LeBron, Anthony Davis. There was a point in the game that Anthony Davis, then we're going to go over a little of the Lakers series of LeBron because I want to show you the weaknesses, I think. I think this Lakers team can be beat. The Heat can win this. And the thing is that Anthony Davis sometimes tends to not want to get rebounds. He went into the late in the third quarter of this game not even getting a rebound. Crazy. And they were blown out of this game. And and Grant for Denver was all over LeBron. Just would not leave LeBron. And also he was offensively and taking LeBron, making LeBron play a little bit defense. That's what the Heat have to do. They have to not, they have to go after LeBron. Just go after him. Mm. Make him work on defense and then make him and 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 you know and, and go and just stay on him the whole game. Uh, that was one of the key. I mean, there's a point where the Lakers made this great run, like a 22 to run, but and Murray, Jamal Murray was getting shots all over the place. But uh, but really, it was like Grant had 26 points, Jokic 22, Murray 28, Monte Morris 14. The Nuggets shot three points well. They out rebounded, and uh, but after the game, see, this is the this is the tricks the Lakers have, <laughs> and the thank goodness the Heat have Pat Riley. Because the yeah. fact is, he knows all these tricks in Spolstra. Because they started, they wrote a, a letter to the league office saying it's not fair. We didn't get it. Lakers didn't get any fouls, and LeBron only shot a few fouls, and it's not really <laughs> should get Fillmore. And I think you should get more fouls, and it's really not fair. And then maybe the league office was nervous because they want LeBron in the finals and all these other things. So suddenly we had Thursday Game Five where the Lakers win one fourteen one oh eight. And what's all the differences that you know, LeBron was shooting it between him and and Anthony Davis? They shot like uh, twenty five free throws. Crazy. So uh, um, it was it was nuts. And but the key in this game was that uh, uh, was that they put LeBron. Now LeBron gets a lot of credit, but to me, I felt the Lakers had control most of the game. But really, at the end of the game, LeBron started covering Jamal Murray, gave himself a lot more credit. Murray was playing bad this game anyway, mm-hmm. put him a lot self a lot a lot of credit in terms of how he was playing. But Anthony Davis thirty four points, LeBron twenty six points, nine rebounds, nine assists, and uh, Davis shot fourteen free throws. LeBron shot fourteen three three throws. Um, they had 35 total free throws to the Nuggets, 23. So yelling at the league office, it worked. And <laughs> it uh, and then, and also, not only did they get the fouls, that Jokic now is in foul trouble. He only played 36 minutes. He had five fouls, 16.7 rebounds. And it was just one of those things where, how about Anthony Davis, though? In two games, between he had five rebounds that game. So in two games, he had seven rebounds in 84 minutes. Seven rebounds in 84 Pathetic. minutes. I mean, this is where weakness. They don't rebound the ball well. They, I mean, they don't shoot the ball well. They don't rebound the ball. They have weaknesses. The Heat, I know they're the underdog. And they're the big underdog in the yeah, series, they but they can do it. Like I would be, I want to be in there, the bubble and motivate them <laughs> because I think they can win this. Um, then Saturday night, it, 
wasn't really much of a game. The Lakers won by 10, but uh, and the Denver, remember the Denver had came back from 3-1 to Utah, 3-1 to the Clippers. They were down 15 in the game three to, to at both games when game five. When they, at the same time they were down in this game, but they didn't have they didn't have enough to come back. And Murray was hurt and he was hobbling and Joker was in foul trouble and it was a complete disaster. LeBron ended up with 38 points, 16 boards, 10 assists. He played great. I mean, LeBron. What you saw in that game was that LeBron just finished it in the fourth quarter. Something that Kawhi Leonard couldn't do, something Paul George couldn't do, something the Clippers couldn't do, Utah couldn't do. LeBron said, it's the fourth quarter, it's my fourth quarter. At one point, he scored like nine straight points. He was dominating. It's 16 points total in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. But that's what I was saying. For the, Do not get distracted with Anthony <laughs> Davis. Do not get distracted with Kendall Caldwell-Pope or Alex Caruso or Danny Green or Rondo or Dwight. You know, they're playing with, with Dwight Howard in center. Mm-hmm. So now where's Dwight Howard? You know, they have these senior citizens that are playing basketball. <laughs> Do not get distracted by the names. It's LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. Stop LeBron and the Heat are champions. But that is, that's a tough word. It's, it's harder to say or easier to say than done, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, that's what it is. It's LeBron. It's not this, it's not everything else. And that, that was the point. I mean, look. Denver is a great team. Denver's going to be back there. Then I'm happy for that Denver beat the Clippers and stopped this whole load management baloney and won that. And, but the fact is that Denver just ran out of gas after coming back 3-1 in two different series. And um, as a result of this, I don't know if you saw this, but Doc Rivers is going to be out as the uh, Clippers coach due to a loss to that um, to that Denver team. Kind of crazy. I didn't think that was going to happen. I Yeah, I mean, I think... I didn't think it was going to happen, but to see how they, they blew that lead, how poorly they played, I think he has a lot of respect there in Clipperland and, and in terms of how he's handled so many different issues. But his coaching has been poor, and mm-hmm. he lo- he could not win it with the Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Blake Griffin team. He couldn't even make it. He couldn't even make it to the Western Conference Finals. So yeah. I think if he would have lost to the Lakers, that's one thing, but to lose to the Nuggets— you're not going to keep yeah, your not even make that. the finals. Yeah, you, with that team, you, you're not looking good. Um, you're listening to Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. Mike Balsamo here as well. Let's go to uh, Wednesday night with the Heat because this is when uh, this is when Tyler Hero kind of had his coming out party, right? Well, yeah. Well, everyone keeps saying, "Oh, when is the when are the Heat going to get Giannis and who's the next superstar?" Whatever. Well. Tyler Hero is 20 years old, and he just scored 37 points in the Eastern Conference Finals. Perhaps the Tyler Hero could become that superstar. Like, instead of always signing free agents or whatever, maybe some we can get. That's what's so great. The Heat, the Nun, Kendrick Nunn, remember, is back. I mean, he isn't playing in this series because he there's not room for him. But the fact is the Heat have some great young talent. Bama out of bio can be the superstar. He already is almost. Is the superstar. But Hero was tremendous. He had 37 points on 14 for 21 shooting, 5 for 10 from 3. He's the second 20-year-old player to score 37. 37 points in the playoffs. Magic had 42 in Game 6 of the 1980 NBA Finals to win the Finals for the Lakers. Um, but this is one of the weird games where Jason Tatum for the Celtics was terrible in the first half and amazing in the second half. He had 28 points in the second half. Um, but it was like every time it seemed like, and it wasn't Hero shooting threes. It was the drives. Mm-hmm. It was the layups. It was it was everything on fast break, running back. He was just doing everything, and they were feeding it to him. And, and every time the Celtics had that run, that little run, it's like Hero, Tatum made a shot. It was was cool because at one point like Tatum makes a shot then Hero makes a shot Tatum makes a shot Hero makes a, sh- a shot um there was a, there was this one play where Tatum stole the ball and scored but it was a push off and that was where you know they he'd have done a great job on the challenges where they said that was an offensive foul and they actually got that that and I think that stopped the Celtic momentum when they called that offensive foul on the push off on the challenge so that worked really well but it was it was one of those things where just every time when when uh Brown had a big three at the end of the game but Adebayo ended up with 20 points 12 rebounds Butler I mean the key thing is that they're so balanced. Even when Hero had 37 points, mm-hmm. Butler has 24 points in 39 minutes. Drogic, 22 points in 39 minutes. And now they're playing, you see, Iguodala is playing the minutes now. So Iguodala is now playing the 27 minutes. Iguodala, who's been to the finals a zillion times for Golden <laughs> State, played in Philadelphia, and he's smart and great. What concerns me in this game, uh, Duncan Robinson, 0 for 5 from threes. Did not have a good game. And Jay Crowder has this bad, another bad shooting day. He was one for seven from threes, one for nine. And it was just one of, one of those things. But Hero won that game and, and was super. But that got, that got us into then Friday night where the Heat had the chance to clinch. And you were hoping... You're hoping they would clinch to give themselves yeah, a break and everything, <laughs> but they, the Heat, you know, and they, they jump out the game. I'm driving back from New York. I stopped at a, 
at a hotel so I can catch this game. I was like, run, I got to watch this. I, I got to find it. I'm like all nervous. Is the TV not going to work? I got there of half course. an hour. <laughs> so, but it worked. Everything was fine. And the Heat were up 17 to 5. And you're like, oh, this is great. But then in that, in the third uh, third quarter, um, the Celtics went out 20 to 3 to run. They outscored the Heat 41 25 at the period. It's the most points allowed by the Heat in any quarter except game three of the uh, NBA Finals uh, in 2014 against San Antonio. They were out rebounded that quarter 16 to 5. Tatum and Brown just totally destroyed them. And the Miami shot, this is where, look, if they do this, they'll lose. They'll get swept by the by the Lakers. They shot seven for 36 from threes. Just a terrible, terrible game. Duncan Robinson shot well, but Crowder had 14 points, but he was 0 for 6 from threes. Um, but it was like, it was just a bad game. And then it, then it forced them to then play a game six. Um, and in the game six, uh, Bam out of bio. So like, we talked about the one game where Hero was the winner. Bam mm-hmm. came on. And he just... Just amazing. 11 for 15 shooting. Ended up with 32 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal. But just did everything. Just to seem to be dominant the entire time. And uh, the Heat won the fourth quarter, 37 to 27. The, the Celtics scored 10 of the first 12 points of the fourth quarter. They were up 96-90. At that point, the Heat scored 35 of the final uh, 50 points. <laughs> Duncan Robinson had a 3 then they take him out. It was like 104, 102. And I was like watching with my parents and they're like getting nervous. My mom loves to eat so much. She's like, <laughs> we're going to lose. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. Then Duncan Robinson hits a three. Tatum throws a pass that Robinson steals. Then Hero makes a shot. Suddenly it's 109, 102. And then if you look, it's like 109, 102, 111, 102, 112, 102. And it was just, just a way. That's how you had to win a game like that, yeah. not make it tight. So just I was pumped. I'm very excited that the Heat were able to pull this off when I thought they had the team for this. And I can't stand when people say, oh, this, like, give it till next year, wait till next year, wait to grow. No, when you have the opportunity that's in front of you and you're talented enough, win it now. I was a little bit nervous last night just because if Boston had won and tied up that series, I think that game seven would have been brutal. I was so happy we got out of there in six. I. Yeah, I mean, that's what you had to do. And also, especially because the Lakers had one and five, and you mm-hmm. don't want to keep playing and be tired and worn out, and injuries could happen, those type of things. So they they had to, they did what they had to do. Let's uh, move on to the Heat and Lakers series. I, I, I'm with you, Ira. I think there's a really good chance the Heat could um, upset these guys. Vegas says the line spread pretty heavily in the Lakers' favor, but it doesn't mean anything. It's got to be one on the court. So what do you think is going to happen here? He's going to win in six. <laughs> yeah, but I like it. Brian Winhurst wrote this book called The Return of the King. And everyone talks about LeBron's exit, the decision when he left Cleveland to go to Miami. Mm-hmm. Very little besides this book has been discussed about the second decision when he came back to Miami. Yeah, they never did. But came back to Cleveland. He was here. Remember, this, the Heat had traded for Goran Dragic. They were about to re-sign Chris Bosh, and they were working on something with Wade, and they were bringing all this other talent in. And they wanted Heat. I mean, he had just lost in the finals to San Antonio, but that they made the finals. They won the best record in the league. So the point is they've been the four straight finals, but they had met, they wanted to meet with the Riley, wanted to meet with LeBron in Miami. LeBron didn't want to meet in Miami. He had finally met with Dennis Gilbert from Cleveland in Miami and he had a a lunch with Bosch and Wade, but then he flies all the way to uh, Vegas and was doing a camp with with Dwayne Wade out there and made Riley fly all the way out there. And then as Winhurst writes is that he was mad that Riley was mad because he's trying to pitch LeBron on what needs to be done and LeBron was too much busy watching the World Cup soccer match that was on TV. (laughs) And it's sort of like disrespect. That's what it was. To the point that they uh they you know riley made a comment he goes what's well, great to have players here that don't have the smiling faces and stuff like that sort of a they've been sort of subtle digs to each other it wasn't the he didn't write the nasty letter that gilbert wrote but it was you can tell riley had not communicated with lebron until lebron won the nba mm-hmm. finals then three years late two years later and never communicated with him at all and then lebron never got back to him there's no there's no even talk that they just even people have even talked but as you can see about the about the heat they, they really have had this run last year when they retired Bosch's jersey in 2019 and then Wade played his final game in 2019 and then the Wade jersey was in 2020. And during all this, these ceremonies, and you're thinking, what well, Bosch and Wade are these exalted members of this team. LeBron was not mentioned. I mean... Again, this comes back to Miami fans. Mm-hmm. Like the Miami fans are known to be a little. It's like LeBron did show hasn't shown love to Miami. I mean, he's won two titles for Miami. Miami fans didn't was supported him tremendously. Oh, yeah. but he's shown no love when they when they come and play. He he sit out. I've I've seen him sit out. Let's see, I counted like four games where they've been down here when he played for the Cavaliers. He just didn't play yeah. a game. I don't see this love. Like he doesn't talk about my times in Miami. He doesn't really talk about anything about that. And I think that's one thing. So not only now look, none of these Heat players except Drogic even played. I don't. Project played a couple games with LeBron, but that's it. And Haslam, of course, Mm -hmm. Don Haslam. But the point is that from the Spolstra, 
from Riley, from Andy Ellsberg, the people in management, they want this. I mean, they want to show that LeBron, oh, you yeah. made a mistake because Riley made the comedy because you would have stated we would have won 10 titles. We could have won, been the championship 10 more times or whatever. We could have, this is where you're, you should have built, you know, you had you won your titles here and then he left. And so I think there's that type of heat. It's, I just love the storybook, the narrative of this. And LeBron, this is his chance to like get closer to Jordan and get that number and become the greatest player of all time. And for someone like me who thinks Jordan can't, you know, I don't <laughs> want him to do it. So I'm rooting against LeBron and I'm rooting for the heat. It's too much yeah, i'm definitely rooting for the heat hard too I, I don't know six games i'm hoping it goes six games but I, I i don't know i have a feeling this one might go the distance i you got to have for lebron the key one of the problems with the heat with lebron in the finals have been and why well what what with teams when they play lebron is that in order if you have your best player and this is what happened durant when they played oklahoma city durant said i want to guard lebron i want to guard lebron well he guarded lebron got too tired and then he couldn't play <laughs> so the great thing with the heat is they're so balanced they can put butler on him they can put Adebayo on him they can put crowder on him they can put Iguodala on him they could have all these players cover him and they you don't have to worry about their offense there's enough players now hero's not going to play him and duncan robinson's not going to play him and hopefully <laughs> they don't play any hopefully they'd be careful about the zone but I'm telling you I just I'm not sold on Pope I'm not sold on Green I'm not sold on Caruso Rondo I don't care if it's playoff Rondo regular season Rondo they can stop him and Dwight Howard I just think it's going to get I think that the I just think that Denver let Dwight Howard just get off and, and yeah. get rebounds uh, this Heat team's more athletic than Denver was. I'm looking for that. But if the key is stop LeBron and don't get distracted. If Anthony Davis hits like 10 shots, don't worry about him. That's all he wants to do is he wants to shoot shots. He's not playing great defense, and he's not rebounding the ball at all. So just focus on LeBron. I absolutely agree with you that he's the one that needs to be shut down, of course, here. Um, you're listening to Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. We have Doug McDermott of the NBA joining us at 740 here on Iron Sports. That's going to be good stuff. Let's go to the NFL, Ira. And <clears throat> i got to tell you, I was anticipating – I was really excited for last uh, Thursday Night Football. But I was thinking that Jacksonville, like this was going to be their nationally televised, like Gardner Minshew mania comes out. And I thought that they were going to beat the Dolphins. And the Dolphins looked like a better team than them from the first snap to the last one. Well, I think the Miles Gaskin carrying the ball like 10, 12 times. We've been talking about how the Dolphins don't run the ball, and it's just passing. And they think they handed them to – they just ran the ball. And I think that set the tone mm -hmm. the entire game. I mean, Gaskin carried the ball 22 times for 66 yards. I can't remember the last time a Dolphins running backs ran that many times. But it was – I don't think Minshew played that poorly. He was had 274 yards and a touchdown, four sacks, but he had a bunch of drops. His receivers didn't help him at all. And uh, Fitzpatrick played a smart game. And, and, I, and the refs, I mean, there were so many weirds like Jags had – Four pass interference penalties, and then mm -hmm. one of their players got thrown out. Cam Robinson, he's under under a scrum, and a, and a referee jumped on top of it, and they said, "Oh, he touched him," and then he got thrown out of the game. But uh, it was like one a great win for Miami. It was like one of those like this Miami team, Fitzpatrick, and you can see these players. Wherever team Fitzpatrick plays on, the players love him. They're like, we did it for Fitz. We did it for Fitz. We <laughs> wanted to win for him. And uh, it was great. I mean, it was like it was like one of those things where I heard an interview with Carl Vonoy after the game. And, they were, he, again, he just complimented Fitzpatrick about how passionate he was and how they wanted to win it for him. And they didn't want – you know, as much as they like Tua, they still wanted – they wanted. I think this team feels like they're playing for Fitzpatrick to have him keep his job. No, absolutely. You're right. And yeah, he, he just embodies a passion of, like, going out there and having fun type of stuff. So he's uh, easy to love, that Ryan Fitzpatrick and I, I was calling for him to be out by week three week four but I think he can stick around a little while longer before we get to see Tua unveiled um let's go let's talk about New England and the Raiders I, I am shocked by this New England team Cam Newton looks he didn't look great yesterday but he looks reinvigorated and he's looked great in the prior two games and here they are looking like a, a legitimate team in the AFC which I didn't see coming like almost a perfect marriage like yeah. maybe Cam Newton wasn't the perfect quarterback for Bill Belichick eight years ago, mm -hmm. but he's the right quarterback now. Belichick wants to run the ball. Belichick wants to control it. I mean, Cam had, you know, the idea was that they just they just ran the ball from four backs and Burkhead had three touchdowns. So the point is, I think that's what he wants. He wants, he didn't a situation where they just want to control it. I think I'm surprised by New England's defense. Now, I know that the Raiders had a ton of injuries on offense mm -hmm. with Jacobs being banged up and Ruggs not even playing, but I got, everyone looked at all these people that were high towers and playing. They lost like four or five of their starters from last year and their their defense looks great. It shows when you have a great secondary like Gilmore, uh, when they have excellent people in the secondary, they're able to stop them. But I was very impressed with the, the New England defense. And the Patriots, they lost Andrews, their center, and he's been like their stalwart, and everyone said, oh, mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to run the ball. They don't have their center, and they, they pounded the ball. So my lock of the week, Iron, I was telling everyone, 
how I thought Buffalo was just going to crush the Rams. And the Rams, they beaten Dallas, who we know is not that good. They beat Philly, who we know is pretty bad. And everyone's thinking the Rams are this great team that they were two years ago. And I'm looking at Buffalo like, man, this team's really complete. And they were destroying them. And then what do you know? It came down to the last two minutes of the game, which I was not expecting, but Buffalo did get the win. Well, that's one thing about the NFL this year is I think if you look at a lead, you got to say, I mean, I don't understand why these teams can't keep these leads sometimes, especially good teams. They were up 28 to three with eight minutes to go in the third. And then Josh Allen, who had played amazing, 311 yards passing, four touchdowns. Uh, but then it just told any, and also what I liked about it is he had 33 passes, only four runs because you don't want to see Allen just running, 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 yeah. getting back up because he tends to somehow get hit a lot harder than someone like a Kyler Murray. But then he fumbled the ball, interception, and the Rams came back, and Jared Goff made a nice comeback. Now, I don't know. like It's hard to read how this game is. Are you mad that Buffalo blew the, this big lead, or are you mad that the Rams got somehow behind so much <laughs> in that game? And now people said also, also so the Rams stayed in the East. They, they had played earlier that game. This is, the Rams had stayed in the East. They didn't fly back, and now they're, I think they're flying back now. They, but they, a lot of times, these West Conference teams, like people were talking about, oh, it's going to be tired to fly back East to West twice. But usually, a lot of these teams, when they have two Eastern games in a row, they just stay. I think it stayed in West Virginia. So your Pittsburgh Steelers, I was a little worried about this game for the Steelers. Texans were 0-2, but who'd they lose to? <laughs> um, the Chiefs and Baltimore, arguably the two best teams in the AFC. So I'm thinking they're going to have a bounce-back game here. They're going to give the Steelers everything. Steelers look good, though, and they got to win 28-21. Well, at halftime, Watson, I mean, I was, the Steeler defense looked terrible. I mean, they gave up 21 points to Deshaun Watson in the first half. Uh, it looked like the Texans could do whatever they wanted, just yeah. up and down the field. And Bill O'Brien was this 30, I mean, his stats are crazy, 31 and 3 when leading at the half, which is the great stat. thing. That's a great stat. But then in the second half, the uh, it was like there was, Ben played really well. Ben had this one play, Rotzenberger had this one play where he was running the ball and w- merciless for Texans came in and Ben just like stiff armed him for like 10. <laughs> 10 yards and like dive through the line. I mean, he looked like nothing, like there's no injury. He's 37 years old and he's like playing. That was a little nervous when you see that. <laughs> but uh, but then there was this, the, the, the big, the turning point in the game was the third quarter. Uh, T.J. Watt. Now remember his, J.J. Watt, his brother, they're actually three brothers because another Watt plays on the Steelers. It was, the, I think, the second time in like 40 years that three brothers played mm-hmm. on the same team. But T.J. Watt hit Watson hard. Got, and they got, it wasn't a sack, but got, they caused an interception. Steelers get the ball and they did a 12-play, 79-yard drive. Connor scores. That was good. And then they got the two-point conversion to take the 20. They, they were able to get the lead 28-21. And then Texans go three and out. And the Steelers got an 11-play drive, 62 yards, just to end the game. As I said, the best defense, because you don't let the team come back. You just keep getting first downs, running the ball. Texans couldn't stop them. And that, that is a concern from a Texans perspective. But what you've got to love for the Steelers, besides, you don't like the fact that the defense did not look good in the first quarter, first half, but they look great in the second. Mm-hmm. And I heard their coaches say, in the first half, we're trying to contain Watson. The second half, we decided just to attack. Him, and that's really what they do best. But Eric Ebram had five catches, Juju four, Connor four, James Washington five, Vance McDonald three, Claypool one, DeAndre Johnson had only one, had no catches because he was yeah. got hurt. But this is one thing I felt like two years ago, I thought when Brian, Antonio Brown was on the team that Ben was forcing it. I had him on my fantasy team, so I liked the fact that he was forcing, <laughs> but it felt like Ben was forcing it to Antonio Brown. Now with this team, it's like who's ever open, he's throwing yeah. and he loves the fact that you have two tight ends, Advance McDonald and Eric Ebram. That's exactly what Ben likes to throw to. This offense looks like they were, I would say, like three years before everybody knew who Antonio Brown was and there was Heath Miller, their tight end and stuff like that. It seemed like this is a, this is a team like that maybe like three, four years ago and Ben seems really comfortable in this offense yeah definitely a case of addition by subtraction at least for Ben Roethlisberger's you know um, the way he handles the game it just it's kind of the same thing and we'll talk about you know Cleveland next kind of the same thing that we were seeing with Baker Mayfield feeling like I've got to force the ball to Odell Beckham 10 times a game they're a better team if he only makes four or five catches and they run the ball which they're good at and I didn't think that that Washington would hang with them yesterday, but I also didn't think that Cleveland would just be in the driver's seat the whole time because they managed to screw everything up, but they looked really good. <laughs> well, I think finally Cleveland, I mean, was waiting for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to have this uh, great running game, and they each did. I mean, Chubb had 100 yards, uh, Hunt carried 16 times, uh, Baker didn't, and I think it's this type of game. I think it's this is the type of game that if you're a Cleveland fan, you want. You want Baker not to have to throw 400 yeah. yards, 156 yards. I bet you were playing Washington, Haskins, three interceptions from the Washington perspective. Uh, even R- Rivera goes, 
poor game. He let the team down. It was bashing. It was really attack Haskins and uh, a strong <laughs> criticism of, of, of yeah. for that game. Not they, his quarterback. Yeah, know? they don't have any any weaknesses. But it was uh, it was like one of those things where look before the year started, you say Cleveland beats Washington thirty four through twenty. You expect that, but now it was like one of those must win games where Cleveland had to go up. Now they're two and one. Uh, yeah, that game was. Interesting all around. Yeah, Washington uh, brought back to earth after uh, after a nice win. That was uh, two weeks ago. Um, let's talk about Indy and the Jets. I the Jets are the worst team in football. I really don't think anyone's worse than these guys, Ira. And I'm looking at the line. It's like eleven and a half points. Like Indy isn't that good, but eleven and a half points is a lot. And it was an easy bet, and everyone should have known that because the Jets stink. Yes. <laughs> you agree? <laughs> well, I agree because the Jets and I made it. I'm mad because I had to play defense in fantasy and I played the Tennessee defense because they're playing against Minnesota and yeah. I felt that better than I go. Look, the Jets can't be that. They're whatever. And the Colts and the Colts had like this. Mo- Anybody who plays fantasy football knows that the Colts had like one of the greatest fantasy days of any defense in the history of defenses. They intercepted Darnell twice, pick sixes for touchdowns. Yeah. They got another interception. Uh, it was funny. The Jets had the first 19 plays of the game. They held the ball for the first 10 minutes. Now, in between that, there was pick sixes. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, oh my gosh, what a, the Jets are terrible. And the question is, what you do with Sam Darnell? And now, if you're the Jets fan, maybe you are the worst team in the league and you go 0 for 16 and get Trevor Lawrence. You're but, taking Trevor Lawrence yeah, if of you course. get the first pick. Sam Darnell looks like he's one of these guys, like David Carr played for Houston a couple of years ago, and it was like he was the number one pick and he was great as Derek Carr's brother. And I think a year like this could be something that just ruins Sam Darnell, like makes him a backup. Like, unless he gets this going, because you're not seeing him fighting, you're not seeing him make the right decisions, you're not seeing him sort of like every this like this team needs like a Tim Tebow like everything falls <laughs> around around me I'm gonna figure something out he's not that type of quarterback this is the wrong system for him and I feel bad for it I don't I feel bad for him to some extent because I don't this is gonna this is gonna be it's making me a backup quarterback next year uh, uh, well I, I was having this discussion with some Jet fans friends yesterday and you know you look at Josh Allen Josh Allen elevates his team every week he makes that team better. I've seen Sam Darnold do that one time against the Cowboys last year when they beat him after he came back from mono. Other than that, yeah, he's just just kind of there. You know, he's he's not a superstar, at least not yet. And then there, you know, New York writers are saying today, oh, well, we get if we get Trevor Lawrence, we trade Darnold for a two first, two seconds. Like, who is going to give Josh Rosen got a second round pick? Who's going to give you firsts for this guy? And nobody needs a quarterback. But I, I'm with, if they have the first, number one pick, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence, and right. it's time to move on from the Darnold experience. So the only team that could really say we want to be worse than the Jets is the Giants and they are just awful if the 49ers were healthy yesterday Ira that score would have been 75 nothing and it was almost that bad with the complete B squad I mean, it was, it's like one of those things where the Niners were playing without their running, quarterback, running back, two wide receivers, three defensive linemen, their <laughs> cornerback. I mean, they were missing their entire team and they still win 36 to nine. And it's, it's just how they played their B team and beat the Giants. I mean, they scored on the seven of the first eight possessions. I mean, from the they Giants' perspective, yeah, I mean, from the Giants' perspective, are you, ma- it's, it's like Saquon Barkley doesn't play defense. Like, I have no idea. Like, the Giants did not care. They had no energy in this game. Uh, I was watching it on TV. They had 40 minutes or 20 minutes of time in possession. How about the Giants did not run a play in the rest? red zone and they didn't even get the Text. ball closed they were doing nothing in this question again a young quarterback daniel jones um, he made i watched it he seemed like he did not I mean, get another guy that just didn't seem to be out into this game and couldn't figure out a way to keep it close and everything goes wrong and and but it was look the giants and jets are both zero and three yeah they are and uh let's go to this game is interesting denver and tampa denver was only a six-point underdog here and I'm looking at this like they don't have their starting quarterback. Half the defense is banged up, and it's first Tom Brady. Some people, Ira, are already saying that they think Tampa Bay is gonna, um, you know, is gonna be the NFC team in the Super Bowl. I'm not going that far yet, but they looked pretty good against a beat up Denver team. Well, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Green Bay, Seattle. I mean, they're in that mix. But they had, you know, Brady, before people were putting him in the retirement home, but he had 300 <laughs> yards passing and three touchdowns, and he looked great. And he showed how when you go against a Denver team with just Grisco at quarterback. Um, Driscoll is now one and eight as a starter, and we know him from Florida, but uh, in one of eight a starter in the NFL. But Gronkowski actually had five catches yeah. this game, so uh, actually six catches. But then you saw Tampa play well on defense. It's, it's like one of these games I think Tampa needed after the hype, and, and they're settling in, and Brady's going to figure out what's going to happen. They got Godwin back. I think that was key. Yeah. You know, Godwin got hurt there with his hamstring later in the second quarter, but I think he's their best wide receiver, and have Godwin and Evans and Gronkowski. I think that helps a lot. But no, that was a big win for Tampa Bay. Um, let's look at Seattle and. Dallas, Russell Wilson, this guy every week impresses me more and more. Nice win for Seattle. They finally get some wide receivers. I mean, G.J. Metcalf, now he had that stupid play where he was running down to the touchdown and then it just <laughs> slowed up and they knocked it out. He of got, the, uh, what was it? 
John, Don Beebe and Leon Lett. Yeah, Don <laughs> Beebe, Leon Lett. And, but Tyler Lockett, I mean, I mean, first of all, you have D.J. Metcalf, Metcalf as a wide receiver, and then you have Tyler Lockett, who had nine catches for 100 yards and three touchdowns. He finally has these great wide receivers, a running back in Carson. The offense is going. I mean, he throws five touchdowns. He has he set the NFL record for the most, uh, to his 14 touchdowns in three games, which is, the, which is a new record. But it was like, I mean, Dak Prescott had their chance. At, again, the Dallas defense is just... I mean, if they want Dak to throw, he had 472 yards and three touchdowns, but two interceptions. They threw 57 times. But their defense is terrible. Yeah. And I think that's one thing when they lost Brian, Byron Jones to the, the Dolphins. They said, oh, our defense will be fine. Our defense will be, their defense is getting torched by everybody. <laughs> no, they, they really are. Um, going into that game, Ira, Russell Wilson had um, nine touchdowns and 11 incompletions. That's just <laughs> absurd. He's like a video game cheat code right now. Um, I, I thought this Sunday night football game was going to be great, and it really did live up to it. It's good to see Drew Brees have kind of a bounce back game, but still a loss to what's starting to look like a pretty dangerous Packers team. You know, I, I love stats. And it was interesting that Rodgers has like 21 for 32, 283, and three touchdowns. Brees had almost the exact same amount yeah. of numbers. And they went into the game with, with he did, uh, Green Bay didn't have Devontae Adams. Uh, Brees didn't have Michael Thomas. He didn't have their best wide receivers. But in the end, it was, it was like one of those games that was back and forth. And, and I thought Brees played. Again, people were writing Brees. Oh, look, he's Brees looked fantastic. Rodgers looks amazing. I'm just shocked how well... Aaron Jones is running for Green Bay. I thought he played. I thought he was going to have a drop off. Here. Oh, just just makes big plays after big plays and match Kamara, Avon Kamara, sort of back and forth. I mean, that's what made like this going either way. I, I thought it was weird when New Orleans near the end of the game when they had fumble. It was a key play where Green Bay went on fourth and one and they stopped him. Then then New Orleans gets the ball back with a chance and they run to Taysom Hill and he fumbles the ball. And I thought that mm. was like, I mean, if I'm Breeze, I'm like, I'm not even in this play and we're, we're costing <laughs> it. I know they use Hill to go in there, but I felt like. I don't know. When you see Hill make a mistake like that, you're like, wow, you'd rather have Breeze in the game at that point. And whether you make a mistake like that just to lose and, and to lose 37-30. But uh, and then New Orleans scored at the end and they tried the onside kick. They didn't get it. So <laughs> um, This game worried me a little bit. You know, I, I support the Tennessee Titans and Minnesota looked really, really bad to start this season. And then they gave Tennessee a run for it yesterday and it was a really close one, 31-30. It's amazing that Guskowski, who has been a disaster at the first game when he's missing free. Yeah. You know, remember, Guskowski played for the New England. He won three Super Bowls for them, kicked big shot, field goals after big full field goals. He had missed three field goals this year and two extra points in two games. But now he's had three game winning kicks in three games. Crazy. So he's terrible, but he makes the kicks when they count at the end. Because they had six field goals. And the question for Tennessee is you got if you're if you're you gotta score some touchdowns here. I mean, you can't just keep him kicking field goals left and right. Uh, but it was like one of those games where they let they let Minnesota in, and Minnesota fans are like, "Ah, oh, this is just getting frustrating because our year's falling away from us." And Tennessee, though, being three and zero, Steelers go to them next week, and that's going to be a big test. I mean, the Steelers really have had. I'm not saying we beat anybody. The Steelers have. This is the chance to show that going into Tennessee and winning this game because Tennessee is three and zero. So be a very. It'll be the one of the premier games for next weekend. We've got just about ten minutes until we get to Doug McDermott here on Iron Sports. But before we do that. A tie yesterday. The last tie I can remember was actually Donovan McNabb saying, I didn't know we could tie versus Cincinnati of all teams. That's what happened yesterday. And do you think Carson Wentz is really on the hot seat here, Ira? Well, it's weird. He's on the hot seat, and he's lucky that Nick Foles for is in yeah. Chicago. But, but Jalen Hurts played one play, and then they're making a statement that maybe Jalen Hurts should come in the quarterback from Oklahoma. But Joe Burrow... 312 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, it's one of those games where I thought Burrow played okay, and I think Wentz played poor. And then it's weird. Doug Peterson's calls in the overtime when he's it looked like he's playing for the tie. It's like you have Carson Wentz. Like you got this is the NFL. This is 2020. Like go for the win. Like I don't know what he was doing with this tie, and I thought it was real conservative in overtime. That the play calling was very odd. Uh, just you know, bad from Cincinnati. Okay, we tied. Look, their their ability. They're looking at Joe Burrow. The Eagles. This is a win now team. So yeah. they better win now. And tying to Cincinnati is not part of that process. So we got the uh, best matchup of the young season happens tonight. It's Ravens and Chiefs. Who do you like? I love the Ravens in this game. Um, The Ravens, this is, the Ravens have averaging 414 yards a game. The Chiefs are averaging 402, but the Chiefs give up 100 extra yards a game. I mean, the Ravens have been, their scores are, average scores are 35 to 11. The Chiefs are averaging 28 and 20. This is like one of those games where I think the Ravens just get up there. They're going to pound them. They're going to be up by a lot. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to come back. And this is going to be really, I think the Ravens are one of these teams that haven't lost in what, 14, 15 games in the regular season. And this is like, no one gives us respect. We lost to Tennessee. Well, they don't deserve the respect. They lost a game they should have won. Chiefs are Super Bowl champion. This is the chance for the Ravens to show they're going to watch this. I, 
I'm telling you, Mahomes might pull this out, and I'm excited for this game. This is going to be very exciting. But <laughs> I, I just think hey, I'd be surprised if the Chiefs won. But Mahomes can surprise. He surprises me left and right. But they better not get out to a slow start because they are the Ravens have a very good defense and not going to let them back in the game. Yeah, no, I agree, and I, I would take the Ravens here in this one. I think that they're the more complete team, and I think they're going to want it just a little bit more as well. Let's go to NCAA football, Ira, and there is not a full slate of games by any means, but we got to see some good action. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to run through real quick, a uh, couple SEC games, Bama crushing Missouri. Uh, Matt Jones uh, replacing, we saw at the end of last year, he had uh, 249, two touchdowns, Nigel Harris, but they have these great wide receivers. I mean, Alabama with wide receivers, uh, Waddle and Devontae Smith, both played, had had big games. But the game I was listening, I was driving and listening to on the radio, Florida 51, Ole Miss 35. Uh, Kyle Trask, and I'm telling you, Kyle Trask might be, after Trevor Lawrence, the Heisman, he could be the runner for the Heisman. After a game like he had, uh, 416 yards, six touchdowns, which is a it's a record, an SEC record, and zero interceptions. Kyle Pitts is this fantastic wide receiver for them, had four touchdowns, eight catches. Um, they straight scored four, four straight times. They actually have a field goal kicker now that was kicking 55 yarders. But I think the point that Kyle Trask, who sat behind Felipe Franks of Florida, he actually sat behind Derek King when they were in high school together. Mm-hmm. He was behind, he had he never started a game until he was like 21 years old, <laughs> and suddenly he's now going to maybe win, you know, it's a Joe Burrow type of story. Exactly. Kyle Trask could be this year's Joe Burrow, but a big win for them. Uh, Georgia, Arkansas. I just didn't. Uh, Georgia was terrible. It was like seven two at halftime. They were losing. They were they were they were losing seven five. They came on. Arkansas was just horrendous. But I wasn't impressed. I mean, Georgia's uh, quarterback situation is a mess. JT Daniels, who might come back this week, uh, was from the transfer from USC, but they really did not look well. And uh, the big game, though. I mean, I enjoyed watching it. I told everyone to bet this. I mean, was LSU? I'm thinking. LSU has lost every single one of their players, and they're not like San Francisco. Like, they have nobody. <laughs> and they, they were giving 19 points to Mississippi State with Mike Leach, the air raid. We remember Mike Leach from Texas Tech, from Washington State. And K.J. Costello threw for 600. That's 623 Crazy. yards, five touchdowns. It's an SEC record. He broke the last record was 544. He broke the record by 70 yards. And that's his. <laughs> he's thrown more than Joe Burrow, Tebow, Eli, Peyton. Like, this is unbelievable. Costello throws this. And 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 LSU was a mess, a mess offensively, a complete mess. There's like this is the old LSU team that was like terrible, mm-hmm. like they could not do anything offensively or defensively, and uh, it was just uh, even it was just it was the first defending champion to lose an opening game since 1998 when Michigan and Notre Dame. Any other uh, college games you want to touch on before we? Uh... Keep moving. Um, how about we do what's the one ACC game I want to talk about? Miami, Miami, Florida State. Oh yeah, no, of course. And this was—I was not expecting this. And I, you know, I support the U, but I didn't think they were going to just come out and absolutely roll FSU like that. It was on. It was like one of those games where I was thinking of going to it, and I'm like, I got all the, the basketball on. I got the Lakers. I, there was too much on, and I didn't want to go <laughs> to a game and go to my first game. And boy, you're watching it, and it's like they just scored. They, they scored for 35 nothing. It was the largest margin of victory since a 47 to nothing round in, in 1976. And uh, Manny Diaz has got this program. I mean, now you know why he left Temple and came back to Miami. He knew he could take this. And this is setting up in two weeks. They're at Clemson. That's going to be the game, Miami at Clemson, <laughs> and to see what happens. And I just want to mention another uh, game. Oklahoma, number three, lost to Kansas State, 38-35. Spencer Rattler, who people thought was going to be the next Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, you know, the next guy to win the, the go for the, the Heisman Trophy. Uh, terrible game. Three interceptions, 300, you know, just a disaster. They Kansas State lost to Arkansas, Arkansas State last week. They lost Arkansas State, and now they come back and they beat uh, Oklahoma. They were up, they were down 35-14, they, and, and they came back, and I cannot believe that Oklahoma blew a 35-14 lead to a team they're favored by, like 20 over. Uh, and the Texas-Texas Tech game was crazy. Texas won 62-56, and it was like almost like the Dallas Cowboy Atlanta, where Texas Tech had the <laughs> win with three minutes to go. They were up 15 points. Texas scored in a minute, and then they got an onside kick and then scored a point and scored the two-point conversion. Like, I mean, these teams with these onside kicks, how in the world do you give these onside kicks up? <laughs> Uh, let's go to baseball quick because the playoffs start tomorrow, Ira. It's going to be uh, rapid fire, too. A little bit strange how some things worked out. We did have some sub-500 teams in there, like we estimated there would be on this show. Yankees actually came out as a third favorite in Vegas. Their Rays are ahead of them as far as Vegas thinks. But uh, tell us about what's going on in baseball. Well, I think the, the Phillies, <laughs> the one weird thing is they had to win. They played the final eight games. They, they had, had to, to win. Two and six. Two, right? they, had to go, they had to go two and six, and they got one and seven. Crazy. So they didn't make it.
make that. Um, the Nats with 26 wins didn't get in. The Nats came back strong at the end of the year. Like, they were on a roll. They probably would have defended their title. Uh, Colorado, 26. Arizona, 25. Mets, 26. All didn't get in. Um, the Dodgers, just for the year, just show you how great the Dodgers are, they had a 136 run differential of 136 wins. It's ridiculous. And the second was the Potters at 84. And the Braves... Or at 60. They're double what the Braves are. <laughs> I mean, that just shows you how great the Dodgers are. And uh, Tampa, you know, Tampa, Toronto, you, this is, remember, this best of three, really just three days in a row. But you get, so any, anything can happen in baseball. Tampa, Toronto, Tampa's going to win that. Cleveland Yankees, I, you got to expect Cleveland Yankees to win that. And then the Twins Astros, boy, that's a, that's a series you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the Astros have been playing really bad lately. Twins probably will go through that. And A's and Chicago White Sox. And the A's have been playing great, but the White Sox have been, they're another team that's sort of just been falling off. Uh, so maybe the A's get through with, through that one. And then in the National League, the Dodgers and Brewers, Dodgers easily. And San Diego, St. Louis, I, look, Should San Diego, it's going to be good. I like San Diego, I, even though, but the problem is they've got Clevenger's hurt. They've lost a lot. I mean, San Diego might be one of these teams that left their best in the regular season. Like, this is like, <laughs> it seems like their injuries and everything, maybe they're not ready to play. And then the Cubs have the Marlins, and the Marlins, look, you don't think the Marlins have any shot whatsoever. They won l- l- the last few games. They, you know, they, were, they were on that losing streak where they lost like five or six in a row. But... The Cubs have been playing poorly, so maybe they might be able to take that. And then the Braves and the Reds, another great series. So it's it's like one of those things that there's going to be like eight games on TV at the same time. And they're all playoff <laughs> games. But it's this week, so they get through this week, and then they take next weekend off. I think it was smart that what baseball did. Don't compete against football. Play this week. Yeah. Take this weekend off, and then play next week is the, the division series, the best out of five. Following week is the championship series, best out of seven, and then the World Series. So that'll be what they're doing. So, Ira, tonight around 10 p.m., we may have a new Stanley Cup champion. It's going to be Game 6, Tampa Bay taking on Dallas. We've seen the way when Tampa Bay plays their best hockey, there's nobody that can hang with them. And I have a feeling we're going to see that tonight, Ira, and I think that this series will be wrapped up. We'll see Tampa Bay uh, hoisting the Stanley Cup a little bit later this evening. If not, I can't see Dallas winning two in a row versus them. Have you caught? I know you caught a little bit of this. I've been watching it. I mean, no, I've, it's been, I, I was, I've been pumped by this. The double overtime that Dallas won on Saturday, uh, that was crazy you that know, was how they came break. back. Because Tampa was up with six minutes to go, they were like ready. They're gonna. They didn't show the cup. I like when they show the cup and they have someone <laughs> yeah. holding the cup. So they're up with with six minutes to go in the game, and then they let Dallas scores, and then they Pavelski scores that goal, and then they go they score in overtime and double overtime to to win that game. And you can see how they get so tired. I mean, these the skaters are tired when it goes to overtime now oh, yeah. because that was a back to back. Was the first second time since 1956 they played back to back because they're trying to avoid going as you know. But tonight, now look, the Stanley Cup is playing a game six against Monday Night Football. I mean, it's they a disaster. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't want it to work out this way. It's a disaster. It's a, and then we're going to see what happens in baseball. You see what the basketball is playing. The what They're going to do the Wednesday, Friday, Sunday schedule. So they're going against Sunday night football. But then on Wednesday and Friday, they won't have to go up against any sports. So that's what basketball, the basketball schedule is Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Let's uh, talk about what's going on in uh, racing. Uh, real fat, real quick. Uh, you know, Lewis Hamilton was going for the all-time record in Formula One. He didn't get it, and because they're trying to cheat him out of it, because what they're doing is they are giving him penalties. He got a 10-second penalty, and he still finished in third place. And in NASCAR and in Vegas, Kurt Busch won. Denny Hamlin was uh, was third, and they have six races to go. Uh, it was neat because Kurt Busch is from Vegas. He's really popular in Vegas, and he was 0 for 21 on the track, so it was a good win for them. Next week, they're playing at Talladega. So we were all excited for the uh, UFC fights over the weekend, and it kind of was anticlimactic, huh? It was. I heard Costa, I watched him fight, and he talks a big game, but it's Addis Maya came in there, and all Addis Maya did the first five minutes was just kick him. And, and Costa, I hate when someone's getting beat up and you're saying, it's not hurting me, and you look at your legs, and his legs are all getting welted, and he hardly can walk, and he says, it's not hurting me. It's like, he might be the only one who didn't think it was hurting him, but you're getting hurt. And then finally, after chopping him down for the five minutes of the second round, in the, in the first round, in the second round, Addis Maya, who's the champion, one of the greatest uh, fighters out there, goes and just you know, puts him on the ground and wins the fight. It wasn't close at all. I don't think Costa had got anything in, and Asmaya just dominated and said, you know, really put himself in as one of the pound for pound best UFC fighters. Before we get to Doug McDermott here on I Run Sports, what's going on in tennis? Oh, it's so crazy. We have a we have an open going on right now, the French Open. Uh, Venus lost in her first round. Coca and Serena won. They're going to play this week. And next week we'll be able to talk about it. But TFO lost today in a top five setter. Uh, Djokovic's in this tournament. Dolls in the tournament, but not uh, not Federer. But unfortunately, they play all the games on Tennis Channel. You have to watch it on there and then on the weekends on NBC but it's a shame that tennis is usually the French Open's in the summer there's nothing else on it's great to watch but now it's against every other sport let's go to uh, Doug McDermott here I run sports
This is Ira on sports. Uh, we have Doug McDermott on the on the line right now. Uh, Doug is a uh, sport for the Indiana Pacers, one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. Uh, Doug, thanks a lot for coming on Ira on sports. No problem, Ira. Anything for you, man. I feel like we've uh, we've seen a lot of golf together. We've been to a lot of tournaments. I miss I miss those days being able to to be out there. Um, but it's good it's good to good to talk to you. Well, Doug, that, that, that concerns me. I know that your off-season program is going to the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship, fighting through the crowds and uh, walking and following all the golfers. Without that, you know, without that off-season program this year, I don't know if you're going to be ready for next year for basketball because, uh, you know, you're not like some of these players that want to walk inside the ropes, get the VIP treatment. You're out there with us, like, trying to get the best views. I'm out there with you guys for sure. I'm just uh... – I'm happy to be six, seven, six, eight. So I, I, I just got a little better view than most of you guys. So um, I'm definitely uh, ready for those days to return. Hopefully we can maybe be out there at the Torrey Pines tournament next year together. It'd be great with, with Max and Nathan and the boys. It'd be a, uh, it'd be an awesome time. Should I bring my stool again? I know you love that stool. So I don't know if I should. Keep yeah. I didn't know. I didn't out. know if I was allowed to say that. Cause I mean, you kind of sneaked that in. It seems like so. Um, if I had that stool, I think I'd have a lot of people yelling at me from behind because I already know I hear I hear some people chatting already. If I had that stool, I'd be about, you know, seven, seven, three, seven, four. So I'd probably hear even more. <laughs> well, anyway, well, well, I'm glad that I mean, you, you were you just got out of the bubble, I guess, a few weeks ago. Um, can you give us some insight about what it was like to be to be in that bubble down there in Orlando? Yeah, I mean, it was uh it was a lot better than I expected, to be honest. You know, I think a lot of guys were kind of dreading it at first, um, not being able to see their families or, you know, leave a hotel. But the NBA did such a good job of, you know, it was it was so first class. They, they spent so much time and energy um, getting that place perfect for us. You know, a typical day would be, you know, wake up as early as possible to get on the golf course and play before it gets too hot. So that's <laughs> typically what I would do. Um, after obviously checking my temperature and my heart rate and getting tested for COVID every single day, um, I would try to hit the golf course. Um, and then we'd practice at a random time. They'd kind of switch up our practice time and then we'd get a good meal and drink some wine. It was pretty much just kind of like a fraternity. You know, a lot of guys just, um, talking hoops, playing golf, drinking some wine, um, and then going over the arena with no fans, which was really weird, but, um, the NBA did a good job of pumping in noise for us, and it, it felt like a pretty good atmosphere out there. Uh, but it's still weird just not being able to see fans in the crowd. You just miss that. You miss that environment. You know, being in a Madison Square Garden or a, you know, Banker's Life Fieldhouse, any of these arenas. Um, you just miss being around fans. And now we're down here at West Palm Beach, so we love our golf and, and the Honda Classic. So, is there which NBA player? Is was surprisingly like this. Where you like you can't believe this guy could be on a tour. Like I don't know what he's doing playing and playing in the NBA. Yeah. He could you know be competing with Brooks and uh, and uh, Rory and Justin Thomas any day now. Yeah, I wouldn't say any of us are quite that level, but I uh, was really impressed with J.R. Smith. Um, I played with him um, out there on, on I think we played at Lake Buena Vista. It was me, him, and Garrett Temple, um, who plays for the Nets and. J.R. Smith hits it a mile, and it's dead straight every time. And I remember his first hole he played, he drained like a 30-footer foot thirty footer for birdie. And um, I was like, dang, nice putt, man. And he just kind of walked it off like it was normal. So he's a great player. I think he's got like a 73 or 74. And I, I know he's a, a – I don't know what his handicap is, but it, it was very impressive and um, just a, a great golfer. Did he play without a shirt? You know, he's known for, you know, after he went no, not wearing a shirt for almost He had his shirt on. He kept, he kept the shirt on the whole time. Uh, but, yeah, I know he's played some unbelievable courses um, before. I think he's been out to Pine Valley and played a bunch of these courses around the States that, um, you know, he's he was raving about. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping I can get on some. Maybe I have a Florida Connect now, um, you know. So we'll see. We'll see if Ira can come through for me. <laughs> well, and talk a little about Florida. It, it, the one thing is, it was interesting to know when I was about your background is that you were number three, and we're down here in West Palm Beach, and of course the Heat. We're going to be talking about the, the Miami Heat, and uh, Dwayne Wade comes to Chicago, and, and he wants your number. And uh, was that contentious when Dwayne, when when you gave Wade his number, or were you, you were were you holding on to that number pretty hard? 
Honestly, man, it was one of those deals where when D Wade comes to town, he was honestly part of the reason I wore number three anyway. So when whenever <laughs> whenever he returns to his home city of Chicago, um, I just gave it to him because he's a legend, um, he's an icon, and I wasn't I wasn't going to keep that. Obviously, I was I was more than happy to switch, and um, you know he was really good to me, and uh, he was a great veteran and. Um, it's cool to see the, I mean, the heat doing so well, um, with Jimmy, obviously playing with Jimmy in Chicago. Um, you know, he's just an unbelievable leader and he's leading these guys and you can tell all his hard work's paying off. Unfortunately, we had to run into them in the first round and, you know, we didn't play our best and, you know, got to give them credit. They're, they're a great basketball team and, um, they're coached by one of the best coaches in the league. So got to give them credit. And and you got to see the Heat a lot because the two of those final three games in the bubble you played the Heat. You actually scored 23 points, I think, in your last game. I, I don't that was one of your best games in the bubble. And then you go and you have the yep. four game series against them, and they were they were you know all close games. Uh, what what yes. about this Heat team? I mean, I as someone who watched them all year, like I wasn't when they made the trade for Crowder and Iguodala. I'm like, this is perfect. They have the nice but I was I'm not that surprised by how well they're doing. Um, and certainly last night uh, with Tyler Tyler Hero's performance. But what what do you see? What this Heat team? What what makes it so special? Yeah, um, I think just Pat Riley and Spolstra they just did an unbelievable job of building this team throughout the season. Obviously, it started with their young guys, giving them confidence early in the year with, you know, Duncan and Tyler Hero, just how free and loose. And, um, you know, they they just had a great opportunity at the beginning of the year. Kendrick Nunn as well, and they took advantage of it. And that's come a long way because now you see them playing big minutes in the playoffs um, and obviously thriving with Tyler scoring, you know, 30-plus points multiple times. And um, then throughout the season when they traded for Crowder and Iguodala, um, they just have so much versatility defensively where you can run a play, but they can just switch everything because they're all six, seven, you know, long athletic, and it's hard to really get any rhythm going in your offense because they're, they're so good defensively. So I think those two acquisitions were huge when they got Crowder and Iguodala and obviously Derek Jones, um, another long athletic guy that you can throw out there. And, um, just, Really good team, really good, really well coached. They're all connected. No one really cares who gets the spotlight. Um, Bam obviously is playing unbelievable right now. Um, he's a point forward, and he's I think he leads the Heat in all categories in this in this series against the Celtics. So just just really uh, fun to watch. Um, you know they're really well coached, and you know I think uh, they got Boston on the ropes here. So it'll it'll be entertaining to watch them going forward. Yeah, I mean, that's what, you know, the one thing I've been saying about the Heat, we're talking to Doug McDermott, Indiana Pacers, small forward, uh, and who played the Heat in the first round. And one thing I noticed is that, like, any night, like Tyler went off last night, but Goran can go out for 30. You have so many players, and Doug Robinson can hit three. It seems like yeah. it's almost like, you know, whack-a-mole. You're trying to – you can't – like, they're not just counting on one player and the fact that Butler – is so willing to defer to other players. If, if you need him to score 30, yeah. he'll score 32. But he's, it just seems to be that it's hard to – you can't say, okay, we've got to stop this player today because if you do, then another guy can score 30. Right, yeah. And, I, I mean, I can't believe I even forgot Goran Dragic. I mean, he's been unbelievable all playoffs. I feel like he hasn't missed a shot. Um, he's, been, he's been unbelievable. And uh, they just – like you said, I mean, they're just – I think it's part of the Heat culture. They uh, – they don't care necessarily who gets the credit. They're all about winning, um, and they're about nothing else. They just want to win games, and you, they've all bought into that. Um, Jimmy really has, you know, led them by his, you know, hard work, and, you know, he's got that, that mentality where he's going to work harder than anyone, and um, everybody has seemed to follow his lead. So it's really cool to see. Um, you know, we got swept by him in the first round, but, you know, now it looks like, um, they're one of the better teams in the NBA, so um, it's uh, it's been pretty pretty fun to watch, man. They've been really prepared. They obviously um, didn't take too much time off during the quarantine, um, so got to tip your cap to them. They're playing unbelievable, they're playing hard, and you know uh, every time you kind of think they're going to lose, they they pull away with it. So it's uh, it's been it's been fun to watch. 
Yeah, and, and I was going to ask you a little about it, to switch to, to college basketball for a second. I mean, as being one of the most accomplished college basketball players ever, your first team uh, NCAA three straight years, the first time that happened in 29 years, which I think was Ralph Sampson, and uh, you yeah. were the uh, Naismith Award winner in 2014. You stayed for college, played four years of college. You know, we have this debate, one and done all the time. Um, a lot of the greatest players in, in basketball have played three to four years. Um, just talk about being in college and having that college experience for that four years. And, you know, everyone thinks they're going to change the rules. It'll make everyone say, oh, yeah, everybody has to go after one year. But sort of talk about being yeah. in college those years and, and, and how, you know, being at Creighton and, and having all the success you had there. Yeah, I mean, it's just – First off, I wasn't good enough to leave after one year. I knew that from the jump. So um, my goal was just to have a good college career. You know, I'd always dreamed of playing college hoops. You know, NBA wasn't even really in my head until probably my junior or senior year. So everything after that was a plus. So um, just there's something about being in college for four years, the, the bond you build with, you know, not just your teammates, but, you know, people on campus, the teachers, the faculty, your your coaching staff. Obviously, I was – very fortunate um, to play for my dad, which was uh, obviously um, really cool for our family. So that was awesome. Um, but yeah, there's the college players that stay, you know, obviously there's been some unbelievable players like Pistol Pete. Um, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, there's, there's great four-year guys, but you're seeing a lot more one and done now because, um, you know, these kids are, you know, the AAU circuit, they're growing up they're getting exposure a lot earlier than, you know, guys back in the day. So they're already on NBA teams radar uh, when they're like juniors or seniors in high school. So these kids are getting great exposure and it's, it's, I, I mean, I have nothing against it because, you know, these, these kids have opportunity to make a lot of money at a very young age and not all of them come from great backgrounds um, like myself. So, you know, I think, uh, I think college games still in great hands. Um, hopefully, um, I think. I mean, I think they announced that it's coming back November 25th ish. So it'd be fun to see those see those guys back. And I think my Creighton Blue Jays are going to be pretty good this year. So um, maybe I'll actually be able to get to a game this year. It's been it's been some years before I you know been able to see them. So I'm, I'm excited to to follow them. Yeah, I mean, it's it could be great. I mean, college basketball, the way that it looks like the NBA is going to be delayed uh, and college basketball starts in late November, they might have November, December to themselves as like the only sport to be no hockey, yeah. no NBA. So it's really a good opportunity, and they're thinking about doing the bubble formats in Orlando. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be – college basketball could get some good exposure. It's usually the beginning part of the it year. Really, yeah, it really could. It really could. So. I mean, um, March Madness, it obviously last this when everything shut down, um, that was the, the thing I was missing the most is just being able to watch all those opening night games in March Madness. I mean, there's nothing like it. And I think all of us sports fans really miss that. And there's something about college hoops. You know, the NBA is great. Um, it's fun to watch, but just the emotion these kids play with and um, just the the knockout tournament where you, if you lose one, you're done. It just there's something about it that that makes it um, really entertaining to watch. So I'm I'm excited to to watch college hoops again. And I know everyone, you know, I've had to live with a coach over the, the quarantine for three months and, you know, he's missing it more than ever. So um, I'm excited to watch that. I was going to ask you, um, you played, you played in 410 NBA games and, but you only started 14, but you play like 20 minutes a game. So you actually are seeing significant time and definitely come with the bench. And, and they were talking about that last yep. night with Tyler hero and his minutes. I was noticing the commentary saying, well, he's going to earn more minutes. And I'm like, well, he plays, more minutes than almost anybody on the team anyway. Like, you can't give him any more just because he comes off the bench. Talk about your mindset right. a little bit when you're, when you're on the bench and you know you're definitely coming in in terms of how you prepare yourself, uh, you know, for your rotation, you know, getting that idea of being, you know, because, of course, in college you started every game, but then in pros you've, yep. you've been coming off the bench and, and timing your, you know, what your thinking is when you're waiting to say, okay, now I'm going to come off the bench, I'm going to come in the, in the game. Yeah, it's, it's definitely different, um, but it's uh... – it's it's a mindset you have to get into when you're on the bench. Like you said, it's you kind of just feel how the flow of the game's going. Um, you know, I happened to be on a, a unit this year where we played really fast. Our bench unit came in and kind of changed the speed of the game, and it was kind of led by T.J. McConnell, um, who uh, is a guy that likes to push the ball and get everyone involved. So we had a dynamic group where, you know, we we kind of feel out how the flow of the game's going, what what the other team's doing defensively. 
um, knowing what we needed to do. If our starters got off to a great run, try and sustain that. Um, but if they fell behind a little bit, we knew we had to come in and be super aggressive to try and change the game. So it's it's like a the starters' mindset's kind of similar to ours. You know, we we come out when we come out on the floor, we treat it like a zero zero and this is a chance for us to, you know, kind of start a new game within the game. So um, it's, it's definitely different than starting. You got the warm ups, the national anthem, you don't, you, and then the starters go right there and you have probably 10 or 15 minutes before you touch the floor. So you really have to get in a mental space, try not to lose focus, try and just remind yourself that you need to come in and be aggressive um, right from the get go um, because the game's not going to stop for you. Uh, and you were drafted by the Bulls, but you you got for a couple of years you got traded to the Thunder. I know you know in New York a lot of friends there. They loved you when you were in the Knicks. You played for the Mavericks, and then you decided to sign mm-hmm. your free agent contract, your first contract with the Pacers. I thought there were some rumors you were even going to come down to Miami. Um, what was the thinking when you decided <laughs> to go to, to Indiana? And what do you think? You know, I'm sure you're happy with. It. I mean, it's a tremendous program. I mean, it's a, I call it program, but tremendous team, and yeah. and I love the city of Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um... I definitely bounced around my first few years and obviously loved my time in all those places. New York was great to me. Um, we had a fun team going. I thought we thought we played really well, but then Chris Stapps went down with the ACL injury and it kind of just killed the momentum of what we um, had going. So it was unfortunate. Um, loved my time there. Um, but once free agency came along, um, the Pacers were one of the first teams that reached out. And uh, to be honest, when I was a little kid, I actually grew up cheering for the Pacers. Um, I was a huge Reggie oh, wow. Miller fan. And it just it just seemed like a dream come true for me. Um, and I just had a great relationship with a few of the guys that I, I actually played with, Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. We played together in OKC together. So I had, I had previous relationships with those guys. Um, the GM of the Pacers is actually a guy named Chad Buchanan who's from Iowa. So had a good relationship with him as well. And it just felt like home, honestly, um, being a Midwest kid, my family can still get to me pretty easily. Um, and you know, no regrets since I've, I've loved my time there and just the culture the Pacers have, um, it's pretty special. It's a, it's a great, great ran organization. And, uh, I, I love being a Pacer and, you know, I hope I can continue to play for them for a long time. Yeah. I was, I, you know, I felt bad because when Indianapolis and Miami were, linked up as a four and five seeds. I felt like both those teams could have upset, you know, Boston and Milwaukee and Toronto. It just happened that they had those. I mean, it was, it was just happened to face each other in the first round being a four or five. And uh, so, yep. I, you know, and each, as I said, each game was, was really close. Um, so yeah, I guess they were any, any predictions for, for the rest close, of the like way said, in terms was, of the playoffs, uh, I mean, in terms of uh, with the Lakers, uh, the series and, and also the Heat series. Yeah. Um, you know, I think both teams, obviously the Lakers, um, Nuggets series, you can never count the Nuggets out. I mean, they've been right when you think they're going to lose or, you know, fold the t- throw in the towel, they just come out and win by 15 or 20. It's just, I think, just what they have going with Jokic and Murray, um, those guys don't, they clearly don't want to go home. And uh, they're playing hard when their backs are against the wall. Obviously, after that game two buzzer beater by Anthony Davis. You know, people kind of thought that could be it, but then here we are. You know, two one. Um, you'd you'd think the Lakers will win tonight, but I mean, you just can't count these Nuggets out. And uh, I think seeing the Miami Boston series now at three one, um, if there was one team that you know I think will be ready to to make a run at this thing, it is Boston because you know Brad will have those guys ready to play. Um, you know, but the Heat are just they've been really tough. But I would love to see. I would love to see a Heat-Lakers final. I think that'd be a great, great matchup. Um, seeing LeBron and Jimmy go at it, and just I think that'd be an incredible series. Well, Doug, I know I, I know you're very busy, so thanks a lot for taking your time to, to come on Iron Sports. And uh, definitely, let's get some golf in. We've got to get back that preparation and and follow some of these golfers. I mean, that's the one thing we've been following is I mean, Bryson DeChambeau at the Masters. It's exciting for that, and uh, I, I mean, I think yeah. golf has been. We've you know had one of the best times in terms of the in terms of the shutdown and so they got back early and the golf has been compelling and uh, very exciting for the last four months I guess it's it's yeah it's been it's been unbelievable to follow these guys and um, I'm I'm looking forward to getting back out on the course 
Um, you know, I was actually watching Netflix the other night on, and I, I see you make an appearance on one of the shows. I'm like, I didn't know I was talking to a celebrity today on Million Dollar Beach House. Um, but uh, it's, it's they, funny. They see left my, my, my best work was on the cutting room floor. I mean, I had I had lines. Everyone, I had like one line in the whole thing, and they. But I talked for like an hour, and they they cut it, and I was just. It's like it's. I don't know. I felt like it's like I guess if you like you when you're like preparing to go to a game and you're trading like every shot and then you go to the game and they like give in for like a few minutes. Like I, I felt like the best stuff was that no one ever got the chance to see it. I thought I thought you made a great appearance though. I, I'm not gonna lie. I was impressed. That was that was that was cool to watch and obviously I give a shout out to Max Max Greengrass. I know he's gonna be listening. So, um, but yeah, I hope we can all get together and, and watch some golf soon that'll be good. I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, it, I'd love for you guys to come down to the Honda Classic in West Palm. We love this tournament. It's a great tournament. And, uh, but of course, unfortunately it's in the middle of your season. So unless, unless they delay yeah. uh, the NBA to like March, <laughs> whatever, you'll be playing yeah. basketball then. But let's uh, hope I'm like 30. Um, anyways, let's hope guys, I'm like, thanks a lot for coming let's hope on. I'm I really like 40 during time that time. To come on Great stuff there from Doug McDermott uh, here on Ira on Sports. Great interview, and hopefully we can get him back uh, next basketball season. Right? Yeah, he's a great player and a great, very entertaining and a lot of fun. Uh, but it was great to have him on and uh, and talk about it. And as he said, we taped that on Thursday, so he was previewing Miami yeah. and the Lakers in the finals. <laughs> well, he, he got it correct. Uh, so what are you up to this week? Well, I was thinking potentially go to see Tennessee Steelers, but then it's going to mess me up to watch the Lakers and and the Heat. So maybe I don't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm trying to to figure out where you can go. I know the the, the Steelers play in a, about a month. They play at Dallas. Probably would think about that game. But just some of these football games are opening up. But there's fans like a Tennessee game. There's like seven thousand fans at that game. You know, still keeping the attendance, mm-hmm. of course, smartly, you know, very low. But just so much. I mean, I'm going to watch baseball all week. I'm going to watch tennis all week. I've got the the football games tonight's going to be one of the great. I cannot wait for tonight's game. <laughs> to watch Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. So, at Pump, this is the best time in the I can't imagine sports ever being this good. No, it's crazy. But we are out of time. On behalf of Ira and Mike, let's talk next Monday night. Ira on Sports.